Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Step Series. Uh, so now let's have uh, Ronnie up to tell us our joke. Hello, I'm Ronnie. I'm an alcoholic. And this one was just given to me. It's not, it's not mine. The wife of an active alcoholic wants to please her man, so she gets up one morning and makes him two scrambled eggs. He sits down for breakfast and is angry and upset. She asks him what is wrong, and he says, I wanted poached. The next day, she gets up again and makes him two poached eggs, and once again, he is upset. She asks what is wrong, and he says, I wanted scrambled. So she thinks and thinks and figures out her plan. The third day, she gets up and makes him two eggs, one scrambled and one poached. She sits back down, quite proud of herself, waiting for her AA to sit down. He comes to the table and once again is angry and upset. She says in aghast, how can you possibly complain now? I have made you one scrambled and one poached. He simply looked at her with disdain and said, you scrambled the wrong egg. Thank you, Ronnie. Um, I'm a recovered alcoholic. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a, in a minute, uh, we're going to start our, our two-minute uh, meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that will make noise and that might or will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation.
Uh, now we're going, going to say the fog light prayer. God, let your love shine. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that uh, we have discovered a common solution. Uh, We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Brooks to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is. Hi, everyone. I'm Brooks. I'm an alcoholic. Spiritual experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change Sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, Many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Thank you, Brooks. Uh, Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane or meeting mode or just turn them off. Now I'd like to introduce Pat. Um, This is his ninth session with us, and 
He always has a lot of good things to say, so I'm sure tonight won't be any different. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Thank you. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Pat. Thanks to the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the program of AA. I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and for that, I will be forever grateful. Uh, a, it didn't just save my life, but it gave me one worth living. I absolutely love my life today. I mean, um, and I want to wish everybody a happy holiday, happy Hanukkah, happy Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate. I think I'll, I'll be back for Kwanzaa. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's nice how the holidays uh, fall together there. But uh, I don't know, I'm, uh, I find myself extremely grateful, uh, even more grateful this time of year for some reason. I, I guess, you know, because of the holiday and because of the, the, uh, the celebration uh, of my higher power, uh, I, I find uh, I'm just so blessed. You know, I just, I have, uh, to have this... Uh, this gift that this this program gives us, this uh, relationship with the God of our understanding, which uh, in, in in my heart is uh, all powerful and all forgiving, and uh, and there's and loves me unconditionally, and that's just that's such an amazing gift for me that. Uh, and this program gave me that. The the the, the first nine steps uh, gave me that. They, they gave me that relationship, and uh, because you guys allowed me to uh, create to to choose my own conception of a power greater than myself as a starting point. And, and, uh, and Bill knows that, uh, that we will define that and we will narrow that as we go along the road, you know, that, uh, because we're going to find as we talk tonight a little bit about 10 and 11, uh, that there's no else to grow but spiritually here, <laughs> you know. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, let's not beat around the bush. This is a spiritual program of recovery. You know, we're, we're not afraid to talk about God here. We're, you know, the, there's just no requirement. You know, there's only one requirement for membership, and that's a desire to stop drinking. There is no belief requirement. But uh, but Bill knows, and Bill knew, that if you follow the precise, specific, clear-cut, exact directions laid out in this book, that that, that power will materialize in your heart and and solve your problem, which is what the book promised. And uh, and I've had that happen, and... and uh, you know, I move. God doesn't move. You know, I, I grew up in a with a with a punishing uh, God of justice in my life, and uh, and at some point I knew that I was uh, I was destined to go to the fire. You know what I mean? That, I mean that was the message I got in 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 the school that I went. I went to Catholic school as a youngster, and the message I got was that if you jumped through the hoop, God loved you, and if you didn't, you were going to the fire. And if you if you did what you were told, you go to the gates, and if you didn't do what you were told, then you go to the fire. And then they had this halfway house called Purgatory that uh, some of us would get to go to if we weren't like bad enough to burn or good enough to get through the gates. And at some point in my life, I uh, I partake I partook in in uh, actions and had desires that uh, that was qual- that qualified as sin and uh and I knew at that point that I couldn't live up to the expectations of that god of my misunderstanding at that time and and I had to disconnect from that and and I made a conscious decision uh probably at about 13 years old to just disconnect from that and deny it I mean what else do you do right in from page 423 you know it talks about it that uh normal people who if they can't live up to their 
goals, they change their behavior to meet their goals. We just lower our goals. <laughs> you know, and the same with, I believe the same is with belief. The same is with a, a belief in God, is that if we can't live up to the principles of God, instead of changing our behavior to meet those principles, we just deny the existence of God. You know, and, and, and that was what I did. And, and come in here and... Uh, you know, and it wasn't like I was upset when that was the solution when I got here because I didn't have a solution, and and I and I was I was gifted when I got here because uh, I I knew I had no solution. I I knew that there was no way I could stay stopped. I mean, I had, I had lost just about anything that was of value in my life when I got here, and and more and more than that, alcohol just didn't work anymore, and and uh, so I wasn't uh, I wasn't opposed to the God idea, and and thank thank. Bill Wilson and the first 100 for making it so easy for me to start this journey by choosing my own conception, however inadequate that was, you know, and that's, and that's the book's language, however inadequate anybody else thinks that is, or you think that is, it doesn't matter because all this book is asking you to do is where you're standing, take one step. Just take one step off of where you stand. Believe it or not, you know, because if you look, if your belief was sufficient, you wouldn't be here, right? I mean, that's a fact, and that's. Uh, I love what John W. always used to say: if you know everything you know when you get here is killing you, you know, it's what you don't know that's going to save your life, and and that's what this book has done for me. But you know, what, what I want to start off. So happy holiday, anyway, and uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm extremely I'm, I'm extremely grateful all the time, but. For some reason, especially this time of year, uh, I get to celebrate some of that gratitude. And uh, so I want to, uh, you know, when, when I talk about that drinking career of mine, uh, I'm with Bill Wilson. When Bill Wilson talks in his story about the market crashing and, and people jumping from buildings and committing suicide, and, 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 and Bill said, F that, I went back to the bar, you know, and, and because alcohol was Bill's solution, and that was my, that was my experience. Uh, I was. Uh, I hated my childhood. I, I hated being a toddler. I hated being a teenager. I just hated my life, uh, and I believe that uh, that alcohol may have interrupted my suicide. You know, because I didn't want to play. I didn't. I just did not fit in in this world. I was just apart from. I was just apart from. And uh, at 16 years old, as I shared with you guys uh, a few times during this journey here. Uh, at 16, when my cousin invited me to a dance, and we stopped at the state store on the way to the dance, and uh, picked up that bottle of Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill. Uh, halfway through that Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill, I knew a new freedom and a new happiness. Right? When I took that drink, I didn't regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. When I took that drink, I could see how my experience could benefit others. I took that drink, I comprehended the word serenity, and I knew peace. When I took that drink, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity disappeared. When I drank, I lost interest in selfish things and gained interest in my fellows. When I drank, self-seeking slipped away. When I drank, my whole attitude and outlook on life changed. When I drank, fear of people and economic insecurity left me. When I drank, I intuitively knew how to handle situations that used to baffle me. When I drink, I, I realized that alcohol was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. And it, and it really uh, resembled, if you will, a spiritual experience to me. You know? And how could you not love that? How could I not fall in love with that effect? 
you know, regardless of the consequences. And, you know, whatever was going on in me internally was, was fixed. The external consequences started immediately. I, I shared with you guys the first week I was here. I mean, I went through a windshield three days after that drink. I wrecked three more cars that year. I got arrested three times that year. I got my first felony at 19. Yeah. And uh, I lost my driver's license before my 17th birthday for seven years. You know, ominous warnings, which I failed to heed. <laughs> but none of that mattered. I don't, and, I, and I think the real alcoholics and addicts that are sitting here get that. None of that mattered. Because what it was doing for me far outweighed what it was doing to me. I figured I could, I could figure out how to, how to handle what it was doing to me. But what it was doing for me was nothing less than magical. Until it wasn't. Until it wasn't, you know, until I landed in a hotel room after assaulting my wife in front of my two children and being escorted out away, away from my house by the Coral Springs police and spending three weeks in that hotel room trying to drink myself to death. And that's a bad place to be when you can't get drunk, you can't get any relief, and you can't stop. That's a tough place to be. Same thing happens here, by the way, where you come in here and you don't do the work and you can't stand the way you feel for one more effing second, and oh yeah, you can't drink. <laughs> it's a similar feeling. And I'm telling you, if alcohol still worked, I would still be doing it. But that night, that was March 25th in 91, that night, it just it, I couldn't get any relief anymore. And I don't know where my desire to, to get help came from, I, you know, I, I really believe that was God's grace in that moment. I'm looking back at it because I had never thought of AA. I'd never considered AA. I never wanted to be in AA. My sister was in AA, and she was part of that cult, and I don't want nothing to do with that. And, you know, and, uh, and I called my sister that night, and she took my first AA meeting the next day, you know, and my journey in Alcoholics Anonymous started. And, uh, you know, I used to look back at that. I, I think it's uh, Dr. Paul Oringer who talks about it in, in Dr. Addict, Alcoholic, or Acceptance is the Answer, whatever book you got. He talks about that day. I thought that was the worst day of my life, the day that I landed in AA, and it turned out to be the best day of my life. And that seems to be my pattern. What I consider to be the worst days of my life seemed, in, in retrospect, looking backwards, looking in a rearview mirror, turned out to be the best days of my life. And that, that really turned out to be the best day of my life. And not early on, but uh, eventually I, I got connected with somebody who who was armed with the facts, who was somebody who had had this inexperience with these steps and was willing to pass that on to me. And he had a message other than just don't drink and go to meetings. He, had, he told me the whole story. The whole story is don't drink, go to meetings, get a sponsor, work the steps. <laughs> you know, you got to tell him the whole story when you say that. And, and he had the whole story. And, and he took the time to sit down and read the book with me. And I, you know, as a result of that, I got the gifts that this program, I got the promises that this program promises. You know, they came true in my life. And it's not that I don't have financial insecurity and it doesn't mean that I don't suffer from fear and it just means that I'm, you know, I'm not afraid of it. I'm just not afraid of it anymore. You know, I know that everything will work out. And, you know, uh, Bill, you know, it says in, uh, at the beginning of step 10, uh, and I'm going to jump around tonight. I'm going I'm to jump around 10 and 11 because we're doing 10 and 11 tonight. And, uh, and uh, 10 and 11 for me is a design for living. And, it's, and it's kind of, to me, it's kind of 11, 10, 11. You know? And that's kind of the way I work those steps. And, 
And but it, but before we it, right before it gets to ten, after the promises, it says we have entered the world of the spirit, and and that's Bill Wilson talked about being rocketed into the fourth dimension. You know, he he talked about. An, a, an absolute spiritual experience. As a result of these steps, uh, the obsession has been lifted. And, and, and I, they're talking about in step 10 about having your sanity returned, you know, which is a place called recovered, a place where you can see the truth before you pick up a drink. They're talking about we, as a result of these first nine steps, we know the proper use of the will now. So we're able to take some control back of our lives. You know, we're able to take some of the control back of our lives, you know. We commence this way of living as we clean up the past. And I think that's a mistake a lot of people do as they get started. And what, what I, the way, I'm going to take, go at it a different way. The way I work these with a sponsee and the way it was worked with me is that we would knock off a couple of men's and then we move into steps 10 and 11. You know, we don't sit there and wait till step 9 is done before we move into the design for living, which is what Bill called it. We commence this way of life. It's a design for living. We, we have a design for living that works now, that keeps us out of conflict. You know, our next function is to grow. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And it's understanding of God and effectiveness in carrying that message, carrying the message of AA, the message of recovery. And the message of recovery is, is a spiritual message. And there's, you know, there's nothing about... You can't beat around that bush. You just, you just can't beat around that bush. If something else works for you, the book says, if, it, if so, you got something else, your hats are off to you. You know, go for it, because nobody wants to be here. Nobody wrote down in high school, I can't wait to grow up and enter AA. You know, nobody, nobody said, you know, I want to be, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to speak at AA meetings. You know, no, I mean, nobody wants to do that. Nobody wanted to be here, but at some point, you better want to be here. If you're the real alcoholic and addict, at some point, you better want to be here. Yeah. And as a result of these steps, as a result of being rocketed into this fourth dimension, I'm, I have an amazing life. And I have a way to stay out of conflict because it's about conflict for me. It's about my behavior causing conflict. I, you know, I said earlier when we were at 6 and 7 that everything leads to 6 and 7, everything leads back there, and I believe that. You know, that everything was about exposing those instinctual drives that I've perverted that put me in conflict with God, with myself, and with you. You know, my desire for more than any, more than, than more satisfaction of those instinctual drives than I deserve or that God intended me to have puts me in conflict with everybody and everything. And that was exposed as a, as a result of four through seven. And now how do I keep that reeled in? How do I grow and reel that in? Well, I commence this way of living. And the way of living entails inventory, 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 self-examination. I mean, it's just all about that. I mean, the one thing we're going to learn here is that for the rest of our lives, constantly, we're going to be doing self-examination. You know, it's, we're no longer looking outward. We're looking inward. You know. So, you know, what I really wanted to talk about was how how I live these steps, you know, how do these steps, and by the way, the fourth dimension Bill was probably talking about was us being rocketed into now, you know, and only an alcoholic and addict would have to be rocketed into now, right, and then really that's what it becomes, right, it becomes one moment at a time, we finally get to appreciate the moment, you know, we're, we're now get to live in the now, you know, constant inventory, constant prayer, constant meditation, 
And the, and the, the design for living starts... I like the way the 12, I like the way Bill did it in the 12 and 12. Bill, Bill in the 12 and 12 puts all the inventories in step 10 and then devotes the whole uh, 11th step to prayer and meditation. You know. But in the book, we're looking at inventory and, 11, and 10 and 11. You know. so, so, so I'm going to jump to step 11 where it talks about on awakening. You know. And on awakening, we set a course. You know, we set a, a positive course. We get up and we set a positive course. Maybe we do a meditation. Maybe we do some set prayers. Maybe we have some kind of readings that we do in the morning. Most of us do a reading in the morning. I have a bunch of readings that I do in the morning. Usually some short stuff that I do. And, uh, and, it, and at that time, I will petition and meditate. I will both pray and meditate. And, you know, prayer being talking to God, maybe asking God for help. Maybe I have something that I have to do that day that I need help with. Maybe I'm in fear of something that I have to do that day that I need courage to walk through. Maybe I have something unfinished from the day before that I need to take care of early in that day. You know, and, and that's where I set my course for the day, you know. Asking to be void of self. You know, what can I do? What, what, you, what I want is what you want. You know, what can I do to help be of helpful today? How can I serve you best today? Third step prayer is a great prayer to start the day off. I offer myself to the, to build with me and do with me as I will. Take away my difficulties so that victory over them will bear witness to those I would help from your love, your, your power, your love, and your way of life. You know, what a way to start the day, you know. And I take some quiet time. You know, if I have the time, maybe I'll sit out on the back patio for a couple minutes. And it doesn't have to be an hour. I mean, I'm, I'm not one of those guys. I'm up at quarter to six every morning. You know, I'm usually in the office by 6.30. So I'm talking like 15 minutes maybe I spend, you know. And once in a while, I will, you know, I do different types of meditation. Some of it's guided. Some of it's uh, with music. Some of it is with talk. Uh, some of it I do is silent. And... Uh, and some I do where I sit on the porch and just try to become one with nature. I just try to tune in with the movement of the trees or, you know, watch a branch and get in tune with that branch and just kind of silence the mind. But I both pray and meditate in the morning, most mornings. When I don't, I pay for it. You know? And I always talk about you can probably judge my day on how I merge at the first intersection when I leave my house. Right? Like when I leave my house, I go to the end of Sample Road and I get on the Sawgrass Expressway. And how I manage that merging situation, getting on the Sawgrass, usually dictates my mood. And I usually can catch myself right there. I merge three different ways, by the way. I mer- one is that you shouldn't be in that lane in the first place, right? That's, that's, that's an exit lane, right? right? The left lane is a passing lane. The right lane is an emer- uh, exit lane. And the middle lane is for you who don't want to go fast and just maintain the speed limit, right? And so I'll just force you out of the way. I just, you're not supposed to be there anyway. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll just floor it and get in front of everybody because I'm going to beat you all to that toll booth down at the end of the Sawgrass Expressway. And just, I don't care if I have to kick up rocks on the side of the road. I'm going to beat everybody. And then there's those mornings when I pray and I meditate and I hit my turn signal, you know, and I either speed it up or slow it down to fit my way in there, you know. And... Uh, and I'll fetch myself up right there if I'm not on, if I'm not on track. You know? And then step, you know, and step 10 is about staying on course. You know, I set the course in the morning, and step 10 is about staying on course. And then if I, can't, if I get off course, make the course adjustments. You know, the day is going to change. People are, my, the day's not going to go as I planned. People are not going to do what I want them to do. 
You know, people are going to push me one way or the other. The currents change. The winds change. And sometimes we have to make some course corrections. And there, you know, the, the uh, acronym I love about, uh, with step 10 is four through nine all the time, right? Step 10 is four through nine all the time, right? As soon as I feel out of sync, as soon as I don't feel right, is the, I call it that 10th step knot. As soon as that 10th step knot lands in my stomach, I don't have to live with being restless, irritable, and discontent. I don't have to live with being uncomfortable, Look, step four, you know, did I do something to, to, make, to create this feeling? Was I selfish? Was I dishonest? Was I inconsiderate with somebody? Am I, why, am I fearful? What am I afraid of? Inventory it. Do I need to call my sponsor or somebody else in the fellowship and maybe share with them something's going on? Do I have something I didn't take care of yesterday? Is there, what's going on in my life right now? Do an inventory. Do I need to talk to somebody about it? Do I own amends? Do I have an unfinished amends that I need to make out there? You know, four through nine, all the time, constantly. As soon as I, I don't have to live uncomfortable anymore. I can live in the moment and take care of it in the moment. I also carry a pen and paper with me as I drive during the day because there's stuff that's coming up in the future that might be renting space in my head. Rather than think about it all day long, I write it down. I'm going to inventory this later on. And when I get home at night, I do a nightly. I don't have to. You know, the, the idea of living one day at a time is about living emotionally one day at a time. It doesn't mean we don't plan. You know, if you have an interview, a job interview coming up, you better think about it. You know, you better prepare for it. If you've got a test coming up, you better study for it. You better prepare for it. They're not talking about only one moment. Live one day at a time. Don't worry about that test that you've got to take. No, that's not what they're saying. They're saying emotionally live one day at a time. And that's what keeps me on course when I make those course corrections. And step 11 is about how well did I do step 10 today? You know, do, do, I, do I, once again, four through nine at night? Do an inventory. I use some questions that, uh, <laughs> that my guys usually use. And by the way, I was, uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good about this nightly inventory. But... Uh, my sponsor's sitting here, so I'd like to say I do it almost every night. You know, I would say every night, but he is sitting here. But, but it, what, what got me back on track, I got away from it for a while, and I was sitting with a sponsee one time at Starbucks. Uh, we had just finished uh, Step 10, and I said, you know, what I want you to do now is I've I got this sheet here. I'm going to email it to you. I want you to fill it out and email it back at night. It's called a nightly inventory, and he says, do you do it? I said, of course I do. <laughs> and I started that night. <laughs> <laughs> again <laughs> but it's 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 the same questions that are in that paragraph uh on on uh page 85 right how was i resentful today if i was resentful do a four column inventory or a five column inventory whatever you prefer right uh was i selfish today egotistical or self-seeking was i dishonest how was i afraid do i owe an apology what have i wrongly kept secret was i unkind cruel harsh or unfeeling was I unloving, cold, unresponsive, or indifferent? What could I have done better? Was I thinking of myself most of the time? Was I thinking of what I could do for others? Was I thinking of what I pack into the stream of life? And then I add, we added these other four questions. Who did I help today? What did I accomplish today? What am I grateful for today? And who needs my prayers today? And then there's a chronology of, of today's events, you know. Keep the slate clean on a, on a daily basis. 
That way I stay out of conflict. I stay out of restless, irritable, and discontent. And I'm aware of where these defects of character, whether they're coming forward again, whether those instinctual drives are out of sync again. I catch myself all the time uh, pulling myself back into the moment. Because my first reaction is to get up in the morning and think about what time I'm going to get done. You know, how many jobs do I have? How long should this take? What time am I going to get done? And am I going to make it to the gym? Or am I going to go here? Am I going to do that? What am I going to do at the end of the day? And I get caught up in that. And I'll even get out of, I'll, I'll either get conflict, I'll get, I'll get restless, irritable, and discontent because the job that I said was only going to take an hour takes two hours. And now I'm behind schedule of me getting to the gym. And I have to pull myself, or, or, hey, or you get on 95 in the morning and all of a sudden you, you call a customer tell them you're going to be there in 30 minutes and 95 is a, is, a traf- is a parking lot, right? And all of a sudden I want to get, ah, you know. I remember calling my sponsor once and says, I'm stuck in this freaking traffic. He said, you are the traffic. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But I would look and, and, and see, where am I? I mean, like, literally, where are you? I'm at Oakland Park Boulevard, 995. I am now back in the moment. I am back in the now. And that's the trick, is to just keep it into the now. You know? A lot of times I get on the phone, call a sponsee. You know? And I make them think that I'm calling to see how they're doing. You know? The truth is, I'm trying to get out of my head. I'm trying to get out of my cell. You know? It happens all the time. I do it all the time. Somebody comes on my heart, I make the phone call. You know, at some point through this uh, process, you know, we start to show some restraint, you know, and, and not nearly have to apologize. You hear it shared in the rooms, and thank God for the 10 step, you know. I'd acted out on some old behavior today, you know. No, that's not old behavior if it was today. You know, that, that's current behavior if it's today, right? And at some point, you have to stop having to apologize. And, and hopefully, we, we start getting sick of apologizing. Does the book talk about re- restraint of tongue and pen? I guess nowadays, it's restraint, restraint of thumb and send. <laughs> you know, like, don't send the freaking text. Talk to your sponsor first. You can't take it back, right? Don't send the email, <laughs> You can't take that stuff back, man. They fo- they screen shoot that stuff. Use it against you later, man. You know? <laughs> Don't go on Facebook. Don't post it. You know? Show some restraint. You know? I mean, that, that's really what this is about. And start start living in the sunlight all the time, rather than constantly going dark light, dark light. And just staying in harmony with God, with yourself, and with everybody else on the planet. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, most of my growth has come through pain, unfortunately. I think it's uh, Thomas Edison who said that uh, that that pain is is uh, a requirement for change. You know that uh, it's only when I'm uncomfortable that I even have a desire to change. You know, I, I sit in comfort. Uh, this is about growing. There is nowhere else to grow. Uh, I always talk about hitting those walls uh, in recovery. Uh, you know, what do you do when 84 through 88 is not working anymore? You know, what do you do when that's just not enough? And, and I think uh, that's a fair warning, that, uh, and that's happened a few times. I don't know if I share it with you guys or not, uh, but there's been a few times in my, in my history that uh, 
I've been restless, irritable, and discontent and felt like I was doing everything I was supposed to do. You know, I'm, I'm doing everything this program asks of me. I'm doing, you know, the, I'm chairing meetings. I'm sponsoring guys. I'm, I'm uh, taking guys through the steps. I'm, I'm doing 84 through 88. Why do I feel like crap? You know, and, and I think we need to pay attention to that. I think uh, this, this, uh, this is about growing, constant growing. That we, we often refer to this as a maintenance step. Okay, you know, that, that's fine. But to maintain something that's living is to promote its growth. You know, to maintain a build, building is to keep it the same, but to maintain a tree is to promote its growth. To maintain anything that's living is to promote its growth. So for us to maintain our recovery is to promote our growth. And sometimes you just have to reach outside of AA, you know. I remember, I think I shared with you guys, I don't know if I did or not, but I was about, I shared the pot story with my ex-wife. That was, I think I shared that with you guys. That was my first wall that I hit in recovery when I th- found out it wasn't my neighbors smoking a joint outside my window. It was my wife, you know. And, uh, and we had just now really, I mean, I just, you know, I'm five years sober. It seems like she's on the page and obviously not, and. Uh, kind of threw me for a loop. It was my first time in my recovery that I wanted to get high. It was the first time in five years that I wanted to use. And uh, unfortunately, that was the first thought, but the second thought was call your sponsor. You know? And I think I shared with you guys I didn't get a hold of my sponsor, so I went and spent a bunch of money. And uh, that felt better. You know? <laughs> but then I did get with him and get to talk with him about it. But, but the first major wall I hit, I'm sitting in my home group 10 years sober, and I don't want to be there anymore. I don't want to hear these guys for one more effing second. You know, I'm, I'm just sick of this shit. You know? I know what every one of them is going to say. I hear the same stories every week, same guys every week. If this guy talks about the dog and ketchup story one more time, I'm going to kick his ass. You know? And I just didn't want to hear it anymore. And I'm feeling like I'm doing everything right, but everything's wrong. You know? And I'm just sharing this with you because if you're feeling that, pay attention to it. You know, It's... God's way, it's oh, your conscience's way, your spirit's way of telling you it's time to grow. It's time to do something different. It's time to move out of your comfort zone. Right? And as Edison said, the greater the emotional pain, the more desire to change there is. And it's always been, my growth has always come through pain. So I tell my sponsor at the time he's, that I can't do this meeting anymore. You know, that I've got to move out of here. I've got to do something different. Uh, and that, that, by the way... Uh, that decision came through prayer and meditation. Because some of the prayer and meditation that I do is I ask God and then I sit and listen for God. I do a lot of what uh, uh, the, uh, the book is, t- is uh, designed from two-way prayer that Bill was doing in early AA. And I do a lot of that where I get quiet and let, let the voices come. I don't try to silence the voices. And I write it down. It's called two-way prayer. You know? And so when I pray for something... I'll sit silent and let the voices come and write them down. And one of the things I wrote down was, you need to go to a different meeting. You, know, you need to get out of that meeting. I shared that with a friend of mine, and, and by the way, great warning, we're new at this, we're inexperienced at this, we need to bounce this off of other people when we think we're hearing something coming from God. You know, meaning that's where it becomes three-way prayer, by the way. Uh, the 12 and 12 goes further. This is what, what we think being new at this, what we think comes from God could be the most errant nonsense, you know. And it says even the most learned spiritual men bounce off what they think came from God on other people who are, are working spiritual programs. 
and uh, and I would recommend that. Right? I mean, I have guys come to me and tell me, you know, I prayed for a relationship, went to the bus stop, there she was, you know. And I'm going, no, 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 no. What? He says, and this is a true story, by the way. He says, I, he says what? You don't believe in the power of prayer? <laughs> We're dope fiends to the end, man, right? I said, no, you're bouncing that off of somebody else's work and spiritual principle. I'm saying, no, that's, that's, not, that's not what's going on here. <laughs> Just because you were drooling on her in treatment and then saw her at Publix does not mean that it was meant to be. But I, I, I talked to a friend of mine. I, said, I told him what was on my mind and the message that I was getting from God. And he said, you know what? You need to... Read this. You need to pray this prayer every day. And he gave me what's called the prayer of Jabez. I don't know if anybody's ever heard it, but it, in a short, you should read it. It's a great prayer. Uh, but the short version is: Bless me, protect me, and expand my territory. Right? And I started praying this prayer. And while I'm sitting there debating on whether to stay at this meeting or not, I get an offer to do a big book study at the Happy Hour in Hollywood. And I tell my on a Wednesday night, which was my home group night. I tell my sponsor that I'm going to go do this meeting, this big book meeting, and then I'm going to, then I'll be back. I think that was in 2005. I haven't been back to that meeting since then. But that's just, you know, I, I move out of my comfort zone. I do this big book study down there. I, I run into a guy that I start sponsoring there, Don. Right? Uh, somebody asks me, somebody attends the meeting, says, hey, how about speaking at Zion up in Deerfield? I go speak at Zion. I'm reunited with two of the guys that I got sober with in my first five years. I got reunited with Brian, my original sponsor. And uh, Billy, who, uh, him and I were inseparable in my first five years of sobriety. While I'm, I speak there, and one of the guys that's sitting there, and I don't, I, I think the only thing he heard in my whole story was that I remarried my ex-wife. And that's what he wanted. So he asked me to sponsor him after the meeting. I'm sure that's all he heard. And because uh, when he came up to me, he said, did you really remarry your ex-wife? I said, yeah. He said, will you sponsor me? And, I, and uh, so him and I start going through the book in his apartment at a treatment center at a halfway house at the time. Became a treatment center later. And uh, so him and I are sitting there. Other people hear that we're going through the book. So these guys start coming in the apartment and we're doing it becomes too big of a meeting for the apartment, so we have to move into the recreational room. Or it becomes too big for the rec room because everybody at the halfway house wants to be part of the meeting. We have to go to a meeting room. And it got too big for the meeting room. We ended up in a uh, church up the street. Now it's at the uh, women's club in Deerfield Beach. There are about 100 people there every Monday night. It's my home group. And uh, we study the big book and do step series there. But it just moving out of my comfort zone created all that. Fifteen years sober, I ended up divorced. And I was absolutely floored. I mean, absolutely floored. And uh, I remarried my wife, two years, my ex-wife, two years sober, and then she wanted out. She did not want to be part of AA anymore. You know? and, and in her defense, uh, I'm all in or I'm all out. That's just my nature. I, I don't know anything about moderation. You know, I try my best at moderation. I... Uh, I've been lucky to marry somebody that's as in as I am, you know, as far as uh, active in the program. 
But in her defense, she just couldn't go to one more effing gratitude dinner, you know, one more freaking speaker meeting. You know, she just couldn't take it anymore. And, uh, and she wanted to, she's a normie. She wants to go out a couple nights a week and, you know, have a couple of drinks and do a little dancing and smoke a couple joints. And that was her thing. And I couldn't be part of that. And, uh, but I was, I was devastated. I was like, how could I have failed 15 years sober? How could I be a failure in AA? And I was, I wanted out and I didn't want to drink, but I wanted out. And, uh, I thought I'm going to go to the mountains of Pennsylvania and live in the woods somewhere and, you know, <laughs> raise my own cattle and, grow vegetables, you know, crazy shit goes through my head. And, uh, and I'm driving up and down A1A, I mean, lost. And, uh, and I get a call from Billy, who I had just been reunited with, and Billy says, you were on my heart. Now, where does that come from? And I go, he says, how are you? And I said, oh, I'm fine. You know. He said, no, 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 you were on my heart. There's something going on. What's going on? And I told him what was going on. He says, well, we're going to take you to a meeting tonight. I said, no. Nah. He said, no, no, we're going to take you to a meeting. I said, well, where are we going? We're going to go see Russell down in, I no, no, I'm not going to go see Russell. You know, Russell says that Jesus word and stuff in meetings, and, you know, he's a tradition violator, that Russell. And, and I've told Russell this, by the way, and, and we've had talks about it. But And I said, no, no, we're going to pick you up. We're going to take you to see Russell. And, uh, and I ended up going to... I, forget what it was. It's, it's not there anymore. It was in North Miami uh, on track or something like that it was called. And uh, that's where I met Tom, actually, and uh, Tom R. And I go to this meeting that I don't want to go to because they forced me to go to this freaking meeting. And Russell opens the meeting with, uh, if you're a newcomer, you might want to go to another meeting because I'm here for the guy who's 15 years sober and dying inside. Right? And I said, oh, my God, he's talking to me. And I broke down right there. You're going to hit a wall, and you're either going to have a breakthrough or a breakdown. And what Russell said, and by the way, Russell opens up a lot of his meetings like that. It wasn't for me. (laughs) Anybody anybody that's heard Russell knows that's that's who he is, you know. And and what I heard Russell say was that, you know, maybe you need to reach outside of AA and get more. Maybe, maybe. AA is fine. I mean, don't disregard what you're doing in AA. But maybe you need more. Maybe you should reach outside of AA for more, for more information. And our book suggests that, doesn't it? See where religious people use what they have to offer. See where they might be right. Use some of their literature. There's a treasure trove of information out there. You know? And I'm thinking about what Russell said. And, uh, and we had brought Pete down from Jersey to speak at my home group for the anniversary of my home group. And... Uh, and him and I and this guy Art were having dinner, and I'm having this philosophical debate with Pete about, you know, when people raise them from the dead and virgins having babies and stuff like that. And uh, actually, Pete's not having an argument at all. I'm, I'm having, I'm just pontificating my disbelief. And uh, and he doesn't say a word. But when we're leaving, he says to me, you know, sounds like you're a little troubled. He said, maybe you should go back to the religion of your childhood and leave for a good reason. And I thought about that. And uh, as, as Edison said again, I was in just great enough emotional pain to consider changing the way I was thinking. And the next day I got up and went to church. And I'm not promoting any kind of religion or any kind of church or anything. I'm just saying 
that I reached out to AA for the first time in my 15 years of sobriety and went back to the church of my childhood and threw up the, if you're there, show me now because I'm dying inside. And I had an experience in that church. I had an absolute spiritual, another spiritual experience in that church. And my life changed. And you know what the message I got? I'm sitting in church, quiet and meditating. And the message I got was, God got you out of this marriage twice. <laughs> and you're trying to go back in? Like, are you stupid? You know? And, and it dawned on me that I'm not supposed to be in that marriage. You know? And I surrendered that day. And, and I, you know, gave up the fight. The other thing that came on my heart was that who my next sponsor was going to be, and that was Garrett M., and, uh, and Garrett M., uh, God rest his soul, passed away about two years ago. And Garrett became my sponsor for the next 10 years, uh, up until his death. And, and Garrett took me to places I would have never been able to go by myself, spiritually speaking. You know, it took me to a whole other level spiritually. You're either going to have a breakthrough or a breakdown. You have a breakthrough and you'll grow spiritually, you have a breakdown and you'll relapse. You know? So I'm, you know, I'm paying attention to that feeling that's inside. You know, don't disregard it when you're feeling uncomfortable because it's just a sign that tells you you need to do more, that it's time to move in another direction. I'm, I'm just blessed to have had those people in my life, to have people who cared enough to not let me run. You know? And that's the advantage of having your, your Tony Bocelli's and your, you know, your, in, in the program, you know, those guys, those go-to guys, the guys that, that care about you enough, the sponsees that want to spend time with you, but the guys that call you on your stuff, the guys that are watching you, and when they know you're hurting, they reach out and they grab your ass and they hold you up, you know. And I, I know this is all about God, but I want to tell you something. This fellowship has saved my life. When I couldn't connect with God, this fellowship was here to grab me and hold me up until I could reconnect. And it's, it's about all three sides of that triangle. It's about the service, it's about the steps, and it's about the fellowship. And I, I'm so blessed to have people around me. I'm so blessed to have sponsees that when I want to run and go home and hide underneath the covers, they want to talk about their relationship one more effing time. You know? They, they just, Pat, you got a minute. You got a minute. And they, and I, they, hold, they keep me from running and, and going under the covers. Particularly grateful this time of year. I, you know, I'm, I'm really overwhelmed as far as the experience. And I, and I want to tell you something. If, if you're on these steps and you've gotten to step nine and you're not feeling like you've had a spiritual experience or you're not feeling what I'm talking about, don't be that concerned because a lot of it materializes in 10, 11, and 12. When you start incorporating these principles into your life on a daily basis and you start working these principles in your relationships. You know, if I don't... if I you know, looking back at that divorce, right? First day, first worst day of my life, coming into AA. Turns out to be the best day of my life. Second worst day of my life is getting divorced in AA. Turns out to be the second best day of my life, right? Because if it's not for that divorce, I'm not with the woman I'm with now, who I should have been with all my damn life. You know, we are perfect for each other. She is all in. You know, and I'm and I'm I'm not anti-relationship when it comes to AA. I'm in a relationship with somebody in AA. I'm anti-newcomer relationship. I'm, I'm anti-shared unmanageability. You know what I mean? Like, my life is unmanageable, and I want to share it with you. I'm against that, you know? I'm against trying to get in and do relationships before you've got a foundation under you, before you've been through the steps, and before you've had an experience with this program. I'm against that, because relationships are tough. 
But I want to tell you something. There is nothing more beautiful than walking this path with somebody who's walking the same spiritual path as you. You know, I get to enjoy that. I mean, that's just amazing. And I shared with you guys, I think, last week that a lot of what I learned with Garrett was that I was still a taker in relationships. And that has changed. I don't need anything in my relationship. And it came from going through a divorce, spending some time alone, cultivating my relationship with God and myself, and not being needy. I don't need that validation anymore. Don't need it. And neither does she. And that's amazing when two people are independent. It's like, it's like two beautiful flowers in a garden blooming together. Neither one dependent on the other. I don't need to be in that relationship. I love being in that relationship, though. It's just an amazing gift that I got as a result of this program. And as a result of staying on course. And as a result of working through the pain. And as a result of reaching out to the side of AA at some point and, and finding more. You know? I want to wish everybody a happy holiday. That's all I got tonight. Thanks. <laughs> Okay, could we all give another round of of applause for Pat? (laughs) And now I'd like to introduce Ryan with the Secretary's Report. Hey, my name is Ryan. I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. Um, In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. And I've asked Jordan to read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering, and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. Uh, We are not cured of alcoholism, recovered but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in the mind rather than the body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Nineteen forties style big book sponsorship from forward to the second edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, fifty percent got sober at once and remained that way. Twenty-five percent sobered up after some relapses, and among those who stayed on with AA and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experienced is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back into his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. Can I see a show of hands of recovered alcoholics? Thanks. Um, And is there anyone in the room that needs a sponsor, if you could raise your hand? No. All right, well, if you're too shy to raise your hand, just see any one of those people that just had theirs raised, and they'll help get you back to God. Um, Please join us Monday nights for our Big Book Study meeting, uh, where the book comes alive. Fellowship is at 6.30, and the Big Book Study starts at 7.15. And we have CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale on the table in the back. 
Um, we also have a couple announcements. Uh, the Broward County Intergroup, uh, there's information on how to contact them, office hours. Um, you can get literature, medallions, whatever you need. Um, those are both over. Uh, the Broward County Institutions Committee, is there any BCIC um, representatives out there? No, not tonight. All right, um, well, the next meeting is coming up on January 12th. And next, we have Doc speaking for us starting on January 2nd. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. Um, so, and so, uh, you know, come out and see, see what he has to say. Um, we meet every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15, and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Uh, we will be here next Thursday, but we'll be on the third floor instead of down here. So um, if you're still in town, um, definitely come out and, uh, for Pat's last session. This should be a good one. Um, and then uh, also we do accept, uh, if you don't have cash on you, we do take uh, Venmo or Zelle or if you want to swipe a card to do a contribution to the basket, you're more than welcome to do it that way. Just see me in the back. And if you need any paperwork uh, signed, just meet me up here after the meeting and I'll stamp your paperwork. And lastly, there's a 75-foot uh, no smoking, no vaping zone uh, in front of the church. Uh, so if you could just be respectful of the church, we've got some buckets set up down at the end there um, to throw your cigarette butts in. Um, but that's all I've got, and I will see you next week. We have tonight's session and all the past speakers' podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study. And those who wish to thank the speaker, please line up down the center aisle. Now, let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. Our
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Now, growing vines, they 
twist and turn each way Flowers blooming all the time right outside my door Never before I had to change everything to realize That today is the best day of my life broken man I travel far and wide through the great divide through his own heart yeah well I have a life today when it's given away and it's just about to start so I face each day Brand new way, show up and plug in my guitar. And I play my songs, and people sing along, and stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share, nothing could come. song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.
Let me tell you, I want man that just won't send me. 